Well, good morning. Let's try that one more time. Can we get some? Can I get some lights so we can see, please? Thank you. Sorry about that. Good morning. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning to worship and to to, to praise our God. I'm going to read to us for just a moment from Ephesians chapter two. Listen to the words of God here. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. It says, for, grace by, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. This morning we can rest in the fact of knowing that our salvation is secured in the grace of God, not by our own doing. We do nothing to deserve it, to earn it. Uh, but it's a free gift from, from our God who's so gracious and loving to us. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to celebrate that together as we sing This is Amazing Grace. Let's stand and sing together. Amazing grace. This is an 
Let's sing together. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. All oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I see, Lord, all that you've done for me. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment this morning. We are glad that you're here to worship with us. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. If you're new here, we especially want to say welcome to you. And we are honored that you would spend an hour out of your week with us here at Broadway. Uh, we hope you got a bulletin on your way in. Uh, if you would, if you're new with us, if you're a guest here, there's a little perforated tab on the edge of that bulletin. We simply ask that you would fill that out. You can tear it off and then drop it in the offering plate here in just a few moments. Or if you miss that, that's okay. We have a black box on our welcome desk located at the back of our sanctuary. You can drop that in there on your way out. And that is our record of your visit this morning. And just our way of getting to know you a little bit better and how we can best minister to you and your family. We hope that you're paying attention to the screens and the bulletin as you come in so that you can stay up to date on all that is going on here at Broadway. We've got a lot of exciting things happening. Upward has started back and some other things going on. So we want you to stay up to date and connected with all that is happening in our church so that you can be a part of it. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to continue to worship. We're so glad you're here. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy that you showed us on the cross. God, we thank you for the salvation that you have brought us through, that that we can be made alive and seated with you in heaven. God, we love you. Uh, Lord, now as we move into our worship service this morning, God, we pray that you would be honored, that you would be exalted, that you would be lifted high, that yours is the only name that would be praised this morning. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we continue singing this morning as we proclaim our God's greatness. Let's stand and sing together.
Oh, mm-hmm.
I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh yes, I will. On one thing, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will.
tested by the enemy. He had me thinking I was out of reach. Oh, Jesus, mercy shut his mouth. I once was crippled by the way of shame. Embarrassed, I couldn't even show my face. Oh, Jesus, then I heard you speak. Your love, it comes with no conditions. You give us your whole heart. My hope is in the blood of Jesus. I know who Stand and sing with us this morning. I hear you calling me beyond my sin. You tell me grace is taking care of it. Oh, Jesus, you're my victory. Oh, Jesus, you're my victory. Your love, 
Lord, we thank you that your love, Father, has changed the course of our trajectory for all time. Lord, we were bound for hell. We were destined for eternal damnation. And God, in your loving mercy, your kindness, you drew us out. God, we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Once upon a time, in a cold, snowy land called Vermont, there lived a man named Tad. And Tad was sad. You see, in Tad's village, there was but one church. And one cold winter day, that one church closed its doors for good. For Tad, that was bad. I think there was five or six of us left. And uh, I really felt real bad to have to vote to close the church. For years after, the old church stood empty. Stephen Baker and his children played football there. We actually lived right across the street from here, and uh, it just seemed like, a, seemed like a nice church, a pretty church. But there were never any other signs of life at the old church. As far as the villagers were concerned, this was the end of the story. But the villagers were wrong. It was really just the beginning. West Paulette, Vermont is known for two things. One is cows. The other is the stranger who came to town a few years back. His name was Landon, and all anyone knew about him was that he worked at a dairy farm, and he talked funny. When I came, I noticed that I usually got two questions from people that I met. I, I would get a, an odd glance, and then they would say, where are you from, and why are you here? So why did Landon come all the way to Vermont from down south? It wasn't just to work with cows. He came to West Paulette because he'd heard what the townspeople wanted to do with their old church. They had read an article in a newspaper that Green Mountain Baptist Association um, was taking over vacant churches and reopening them. And they were like, wow, well maybe they could do that here. What are the first four books of the New Testament called? Landon and his wife came here as missionaries. They came to plant a new church in the old building. One, two, three. And they started with a kids club that after only a few weeks had the whole town talking. There was people asking questions like, what's, what's going on at the church? You know, they see this activity and they're curious. And uh, um, God began the process of reawakening a church that basically had just gone to sleep. After a few months, Landon invited the whole town to a worship service. It's all from God. And pretty much the whole town showed up. There was Tad, who was sad, but now is glad. It was really exciting, but uh, God really opened the doors. There was Stephen Baker, who went from playing football outside the church to giving his life to Jesus inside the church. I know that he used Landon and this church as, as the vehicle that drove me to my salvation. And there was Landon Warren, who came to West Paulette, Vermont to reopen the only church in town. And because he did, a lot of people here will now live happily ever after. You know, I had never been involved with a church plant, but um, God has created a love in our heart for these people, and we can't imagine being anywhere else, honestly. Uh, 
We, we really do love it here. I think that is one of the greatest stories to be told in America. I don't know if you, you all heard that. I think this is awesome. And I think it's something Broadway could be a part of. Vermont, 97% of Vermont is unchurched. There's lostness everywhere up in the Northeast. And the churches in these rural communities, they're just closing their doors. I mean, perfectly good building. Been there since the 1700s, 1800s. And they're closing their doors. And there's literally nowhere, even if you wanted to go worship, you couldn't do it because they I mean, they've just gone out of business. And to see churches and church planners come alongside and say, hey, I'll come and help reopen this church and make it a great gospel witness. I watched that the other day, and I, when you were preparing for this, I thought, you know, I'm going to go look this church up because, honestly, I would love for our church to come alongside a church such as West Paulette Church there in Vermont. That church in Vermont is right there in the Green Mountain along the new state of New York, you know, upstate New York border. And just a rural community, one church, it went out of business. And one of our North, Southern Baptist North American Mission Board church planners came alongside them, reopened the church, and said, let's start reaching the community for Christ. That's an exciting story to tell. I would love for our church to partner and even go on mission trips and help support these type churches. I'm just curious. If we planned a mission trip to like Vermont to help a church like this, would you go? If you would be interested in doing something like that, just raise your hand. How encouraging. That to me is what a church like ours could identify and contact and say, hey, we will come alongside and support. That, um, that's exciting to see our mission board and to see those type of good things happen. Anyway, turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 33. Then we are going to flip in our Bibles to one more place this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. So you want to be in Matthew 22 and Ephesians chapter 5. This month of January, we are going through a sermon series on heaven. This morning, we're going to be looking at our relationships in heaven, i.e., will I be married in heaven? How will we know people, our loved ones there in heaven? Will we recognize them? What will our status be? So we're going to answer all of those questions uh, this morning. Next week, we're going to be looking at our rewards in heaven. What type of prizes and trophies will I receive in heaven for my great work here on earth? We're going to be looking at what the scripture says about that. Two weeks from today, we will be looking at what the Bible calls our glorified bodies. What will, we, what will we be like? What does it mean to have a glorified body? How, what, what, what will I do with it? Will I be floating around like a ghost? Uh, will I walk through walls? Like how, uh, what are the characteristics? We know right now we live in a sinful, fallen state. But the great news is, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven and you receive, the Bible uses the word, a glorified body, a new body, 
We're going to be looking at that. So this morning, turn in your Bible, Matthew chapter 22. If you have your bulletin, I want you to pull it out. There's a bulletin insert in there, and we're going to be answering some of these questions here. And first, first of all, I want to bring attention to one of them here. That first question, before we read the scripture, will there be marriage in heaven? And the answer to that is no. And Jesus is going to answer that question. There will not be marriage in heaven. We will recognize others and we will be reunited with our loved ones, but we will not be married. In fact, the Bible's going to say when we get to that Ephesians passage, we'll actually be married to Christ. The Bible talks about that, and I'll explain what that means there. So the principle, if you look all the way down there at the bottom of that little handout, this is the main takeaway what we're going to get from this morning. We know, the way we will know people here on earth will not be the same way in heaven. Meaning, our relationships and our friendships will recognize folks, but it will be in a different manner. It will be in regards to Christ. First and foremost, we will be committed, we will be married, we will serve Him. And then on a secondary level, we will know others. So follow along here in your Bible. Something's going to happen here. Jesus is going to talk about the relationship of others in heaven. Let me give you background information on this. Matthew 22, verse 23. It says here that Jesus, what's about to happen is, he's about to get a question from this people group called the Sadducees. If you remember from Sunday school, Sadducee, that stands for their sadness because they did not believe in the resurrection because they were sad because they didn't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees were the wealthier of the two different religious ruling groups. There were the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees came to Jesus, and they posed a question about him paying taxes. This is a few, cha- a few verses before, a little section before this section. And Jesus answered their question and says, Okay, give me one of your Daenerys. And Jesus picked it up and said, Whose inscription is on it? It said, Caesar's. And he said, Okay, you give to Caesar what's Caesar's. You give to God's what's God. So Jesus stumped the Pharisees. Then the Sadducees, they come along. They don't believe in the resurrection because they only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament, what we call the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, first five books of our Bible. So they, did, they rejected Isaiah, Ezekiel, Psalms, all the other books they did not regard as Scripture. But the great news is the books of Moses, there is first five books, we're going to see Jesus references it. They do confirm the resurrection in heaven. Well, they're going to come to Jesus with their trick question. Now, this is going to be a question we're about to read. Has anybody ever asked you a ridiculous question? Like, it's not even answerable. Like, this is you know, crazy that you're even asking this. That's about, to, that's about to be the question Jesus is going to get. So if you, people ever, ever ask you wacko questions, you can identify with Christ. Look at this. The same day, some Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, and that's why they're sad, came up to him and questioned him. Teacher, Moses said, now remember, they only believe in Moses' teachings, first five books. So of course, they're going to quote something written by Moses. And this is out of the book of Deuteronomy. If a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife. 
and raise up offspring for his brother. Now let me explain to you about say why would why would that be in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, they did not have social security. You did not have pensions. You did not have 401ks. You did not have nursing homes or care facilities. What you had was if there was someone who a lady who lost their husband. She lost her husband. Her children or her family would take care of her. We say, well, what would happen if she had no family, had no children? What if there was no other family members remaining? She's just by herself. Well, the Bible says there her brother-in-laws were then to marry her and bring her into her family, and the extended family, her in-laws, were then to take care of her. So that's, what's, that's, what's, that's the reasoning behind that. I know that seems kind of weird for us today, and it is weird for us today. That's like Sherry, my wife. I, I, I don't actually um, don't have a brother, but I have two brother-in-laws. Let's say I drop over and I die right now. That means Sherry's supposed to marry my brother-in-law, either Chad or Rob. She's got to pick one. She actually told me after the first service which one she was going to pick. So, now you think about it, ladies. Which brother-in-law do you want to marry? Because if you lived three, 4,000 years ago, that's how it was. All right, keep moving. You don't have to answer that question. Verse 25, so here comes the ridiculous question. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first got married and he died. Having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second also, and the third, and so on all down the road to seven. Last of all, the woman died. So now she just married all her, bro- her husband's brothers. She just burned through seven husbands, just like that. And then she died. So here's the big question. We're all wondering. In the resurrection then, whose wife will she be of the seven? For they had all married her. Like, who am I going to be married to in heaven? Now understand, the Sadducees are asking this ridiculous question almost as a joke to prove which of the seven, Jesus, are you going to pick in this mystical resurrection you believe in for her to be married to. Now what's important about this is in Bible times, We know in the Old Testament that widows would marry their other uh, brother-in-laws. Extended family members would take care of them because there there was no safety net. One of the greatest examples of this is actually with Jesus. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, likely died. And the reason why he died when Jesus was a young man is because there's no mention of him past when Jesus is 12. He's not mentioned. And when Jesus died on the cross at age 33, something significant happened. He was was hanging up on the cross, and he looked down to one of his closest friends, the Apostle John. And he took his mother Mary, who had been with him for 33 years, and he said, Mary, I'm giving you to John. John, you take care of my mother. On the cross, Jesus was caring for his mama. He was honoring the book of Deuteronomy and that commandment. He knew that his mother 
did not have a safety net. So he gave his mother to John to take care of. So Jesus, even on the cross, is honoring his mother. And he knows he's about to be gone. And that's that's a testimony of what's happening here. So here's our ridiculous question. Who are we going to be married to? And look at how Jesus answers this. Verse 29. Jesus answered them, You are mistaken because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, because remember, they don't believe in the resurrection, and Jesus is affirming there is a resurrection. Say, Daniel, what are we talking about the resurrection? We're talking about heaven. The resurrection Jesus just referred to is when we die... Our soul is resurrected, and we go into the presence of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So right there, you will not be walking your daughter down the aisle in heaven. You will not be married in heaven. We will be like angels. So what does that mean? We're like angels. Angels have two characteristics. Number one, they're eternal. They don't die. They live on forever. So in our eternal state, we will be like the angels. The second characteristics of angels, and this is what Jesus is talking about, is they don't procreate. Angels don't have babies. They don't have a mother-baby hospital in heaven. The number of people who were saved on earth is the exact number of folks who will be saved in heaven. No one's having babies in heaven. There's no procreation in heaven. The folks who give their lives to Jesus here on earth is the same number up in heaven with the Lord. That's the two characteristics of angels. That's how we're like the angels. We're eternal in heaven, and we do not procreate. There's no more birth. So, if, women, if you have three babies here on earth in heaven, if they're all saved, all your babies, you will have three babies in heaven. That will be, it, uh, there's no more, no more childbirthing up there. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 31. Now concerning, now Jesus is going to continue here. Now concerning the resurrection of the dead, haven't you read what was spoken to you by God? Now this is interesting. This is from Exodus chapter 6. This is from one of the books that the Sadducees consider Scripture. It's from one of the books of Moses there in Exodus. Look what he, Jesus quotes here. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. What Jesus just said in that Bible verse is he says, Guys, I want you to know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're not dust in the ground. They're in the present tense right now of God. Like, I'm still their God. Abraham is in heaven, and he answers to God. He's still their God while they're in heaven. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. That's what Christ is saying. Not only is he the God of dead, folks, they're also the living, and the living even lives in heaven. That means God is God of here on earth, and He's still the same God in heaven. That's how great our God is. Verse 33, 
And when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Sadducees couldn't answer this. Jesus affirmed the resurrection. He affirmed that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, from that book that you quote, it says they're alive in the presence of God. We know when we go to heaven, we will see the prophets, we will see Moses, we will see the apostles, we will see these people in Scripture that we have been studying our entire lives about. Most of all, we will see Jesus. He is there. His presence, He is at the right hand of God in heaven. When we get to God, the Bible says, when we're in heaven, we will actually be married to Jesus. Now I'm going to explain and say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. This is important to know. We won't be married to our spouse in heaven. Rather, we will be married to Christ. Marriage on earth, the purpose of marriage on earth, is actually to mirror our coming marriage and our coming union with Christ in heaven. You know, this is basically what that means, is our marriage while here on earth, if you're married or hope to be married one day, it's a shadow of your coming marriage with the Lord. That's why divorce is so wrong, because when you get divorced, you're breaking that commitment. Well, God doesn't break His commitment to us. When God commits salvation to us, when He commits us as saved, and we're been born again, we're forgiven, that's an eternal commitment, a covenant that He made. This is why the Bible says in Mark 10, 9, do not get divorced, because you're breaking something that God Himself does not break. The purpose of marriage is not to replace heaven, but it's to prepare us for it. Because you're coming into a union, a relationship with your spouse that one day will be very similar to that of Christ. So let's look at that relationship. Jesus spoke about this. Ephesians 5, 29. The Bible says here, For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it. Look at it. Just as Christ does for the church. Jesus Christ cares for our church. I want you to know something. That church in West Paulette, Vermont, we just watched a, uh, a video about, Jesus Christ loves that church. He died for those people that live in that community in Green Mountain, Vermont. He wants to see that church thrive. It should sadden any of us when a church closes its doors. When you hear of a church going out of business and closing its doors, you say, whoa, no. What can we do to save it? What can we, because that is one less gospel witness. This scripture tells us he provides and cares for his church. Jesus loves churches. A church is a body of believers. We come together weekly to center around His Word and worship and sing and praise His name. Keep going here. Verse 30. Since we are members of His body. This is why church membership is important. 
when you join Broadway Baptist Church, not only is you, you become a member of a local church, you're also a member of the body of Christ. The word church membership is biblical. This is why it's wrong for folks to say, well, I'm just going to attend the church, but I don't want to be a member. That's not for me. What you're basically saying is, I want to be friends with Jesus, but I don't want to be married to him. It's like the phrase, friends with benefits. I want to be friends with someone, and I want the benefits of a church, but I'm not making a commitment. That is not what Jesus Christ instituted. Christ wants you and I to be connected to him through a local body of believers. You go, why? Why? For accountability. For purpose of worship. For the purpose of growth. For the purpose of you to see your life just grow closer and closer to mirror that of Jesus Christ. The reason why you need to be in a local church is because there will one day come where you get down and discouraged and you'll start coming less and less frequent. And your friends and your Sunday school class and the folks you know in your church should be reaching out to you saying, Brother, where have you been? What's going on? Why aren't you here? You need to be in God's house. Church membership is for us. Created by the Lord. Keep going here in your Bible. Look what Jesus says. Verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave... This is uh, Genesis 2.24 will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two become one flesh. That is what union in Christ in heaven is going to be like. It's taking two people, bring them together, and they become one. You and your spouse should be serving the Lord together through this church. You say, Daniel, what do I do? How do I serve? You that just raise your hand that you would be wanting to go on that mission trip to West Paulette, Vermont, brother, you go plan that trip. I'll promote it, and I'll go. If you aren't actively doing something, if you aren't actively saying, okay, how, where's my place? It's a new year. I'm ready to step up my commitment. Listen, all of us here are not going to be involved through the Broadway's children's ministry. Like, there's a gazillion other opportunities to get involved in this church. If they're not here, you create them. Jesus Christ wants our church to be one that has literally is just flourishing through families, through single adults, through college students, through couples of all ages, just coming in this building, coming in this place of worship, completely centered on Christ. That is God's plan. That's what the, that is the purpose of marriage and the purpose of our marriage with Christ in the church. They say, Daniel, I don't understand it. Well, you're in luck because the Bible describes it. Look at verse 32. He said, this doesn't make any sense. This mystery is profound. Paul says it's a mystery. We are not going to understand how we're going to be married to Jesus. That just doesn't, you mean all the billions of people on earth who've gotten saved, they're all going to be married? I mean, Jesus is going to have a lot of spouses. What Jesus means by that is every believer is his. They are chosen. Jesus died for them. He's forgiven them. And we are in heaven for eternity with the Lord. 
But I'm talking about Christ and the church. The mystery of marriage is obviously a mystery, obviously, here on earth, but it's certainly a mystery in heaven. We don't fully understand it, this union. But what we do know is that we are united with Christ through the church. To sum it up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Jesus Christ tells us the way we should be interacting with those that we are married to. You say, well, Daniel, lastly, what about people who maybe I have shared the gospel with here on earth, and they've rejected it? Maybe they're not here at church. What if I know of someone who's spiritually lost? Will I be sitting in heaven thinking about those that aren't there? I'm going to reference a couple of Bible verses on your little handout here. And the answer of that is, no, we won't. Remember, in two weeks we're going to get into this. When we have a glorified body, when Christ changes us for heaven, we will not be sitting up in heaven thinking, my goodness, I can't believe such and such isn't here. Where's Bob? Where's Mary? That's not what it's going to be like. It's not going to be a roll call of the, all the people who are absent. 1 Corinthians, you don't need to turn there. You can look up these verses later. But it tells us that these things are passing away. These things will not be in heaven. Marriage, weeping, earthly rejoicing. What that means is what excites us here on earth. Kentucky basketball, Tennessee Titan football. That's not going to excite us in heaven. And ownership. Do you know there will be no possessions in heaven? Not a single thing you own. There is no ownership. Not at all. Zero goes with you to heaven. Even if you put everything in your casket, it's still not going to make it. Will not make it. The only thing that goes to heaven is your soul. And then when you get there, God gives you a new glorified body. And that's immediately at the point of death. The Bible tells us that these things are passing away, meaning they're going to change. And weeping is one of them. We will not cry in heaven. Last Bible verse here. It says in Revelation 21.4, there at the bottom, you will not remember unsaved family or friends. If you know somebody is not saved in your new glorified body, you will not remember them. Why? Because that Bible verse says at the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 21.4, it says there's no pain or sorrow in heaven. It would be painful to be in heaven for eternity thinking about all the folks that aren't there. Remember, God can change our memory in heaven with our new glorified body. We will remember our relationships. We will remember when we got saved. We will remember the times that we came and worshipped and learned about the Lord here on earth. But we will not be sitting up in heaven thinking about all the missed opportunities and maybe all the sinful decisions we had made while on earth. That is not what we will be doing. The Bible says that sorrow is gone. There's no more weeping. Christ tells us a story and reminds us that in heaven, God erases that. And our focus our union will be on Him. Do you know in the Beatitudes, Jesus made this statement in Luke 6.21. He looked at the people there and see a Galilee and said, Blessed are you who are now hungry. 
Are you hungry? You will be filled. And I want you to know, when he says that, you will be filled. He's not just talking about here on earth. We are filled with the Holy Spirit here on earth. We're Holy Spirit-led believers. But ultimately, our final fulfillment, Broadway Baptist, is in heaven with the Lord. We, there is a hunger here on earth that will never be met until we are in the presence of God. And until you get to that point spiritually, we remember that really here on earth, here in this new year, 2020, your focus should be daily for living and making a commitment to Him. You're living for a kingdom that you're going to. How do we do that? We do it through our personal holiness. We do it through serving through our local church. And most importantly, we do it in leading other people to Jesus. Someone that is not saved is spiritually lost. The Bible says they're going to hell. We will be in heaven, and if they are spiritually lost, we will have no memory of them. Because that would lead to weeping and sorrow. And there's no weeping, sorrow, or sin in heaven. This morning, Jesus made the statement that you will be filled. One of the ways we are filled spiritually is through knowing Jesus Christ here on earth. Do you need to be saved? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We close every single worship service. As you're a guest here, we close every single service with me standing down front waiting for you to respond. I'm going to invite our band to come forward. We're going to have our song of invitation or commitment. This is our song for you, for you to respond to the gospel. I talked about church membership. God wants you to have a church home. Church membership means you're part of the, you're a saved, baptized, born-again believer that's a part of of a local body of Christ. And Broadway Baptist Church is a local body of Christ. It's for you. You need to be a member of this church. You walk forward and talk to me about it. You need to be in Christ, and you need to be in church. 2020, that's your commitments. You live for heaven. We're going to sing our song of invitation. Let's all stand together. The band's going to lead us in our song, I'll be standing down front waiting for you to respond to the gospel. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest and without you I fall apart you're the one that guides my heart Lord I need you oh I My 
my righteousness oh god how i need you sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are where you are lord i am free holiness is christ in me say that we are glad that you were with us, that you chose to be here. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Ray Vasky. Ray is our chairman of Deacons. Uh, he's going to pray for us, and uh, we're going to be dismissed. Uh, again, be paying attention to your bulletin and uh, to the screens as you enter and exit for all that's going on at Broadway. Ray? Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to come into your house, Father, and we just worship you freely. Father, we just uh, lift up <clears throat> our family and our community here at Broadway, Father, and just uh, ask you, Father, to be with this week as we go our, our way. Help us to glorify you, Father, and help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear.